The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, November 1st. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, welcoming return guest, Jerry Brewster. Jerry is a dietitian nutritionist who holds a master's degree in public health nutrition. Jerry began her clinical career nearly 30 years ago, specializing in pediatric and young adult developmental disabilities, including metabolic and gastrointestinal disorders, specialized tube feedings, dysphagia, autism, behavioral attention, sensory and oral motor integration disorders, and eating disorders. In Jerry's current practice, she develops comprehensive individualized lifestyle, nutritional, and supplement programs for each person's specific conditions. Jerry is also a Reiki practitioner. Today is part two of our conversation talking about the relationship between the gut and the brain. Part one was on September 6th, if you'd like to listen to the archive. And today we're adding information about special diets and Nambudrapod's allergy elimination techniques. Welcome, Jerry. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much. I appreciate the introduction. It was quite comprehensive. Well, I really admire your work. So let's pick up with the enteric nervous system and remind listeners what that is. Well, the enteric nervous system, I mean, enteric is a word that really refers to the small intestine. And the enteric nervous system is um, what has now commonly um, become known as really the second brain. In fact, it's um, it's often trumped um, over our our brain brain because uh, for those of us really practicing a, a more functional medicine approach, we can really appreciate the intricacies of the gastrointestinal tract and its relationship to our neurological system and our immunological system um, as, as, and our endocrine system. So it's um, the basically the enteric nervous system is the nervous system that's housed in our gastrointestinal tract, and um, it's responsible for that gut feeling that everyone is always uh, talking about. Um, you know, our our small intestine has uh, at least as many neurons as the spinal cord, and um, not everyone realizes just how complex the gastrointestinal tract is um, and it, it basically it, it functions autonomously from our brain and and it's connected to it and um, they're in constant communication our gut and our brain uh, basically through our vagus nerve um, the nerve that starts in our brain stem and 
runs down our body and ends in our abdomen. And so there's like this uh, super communication highway uh, connecting the gut and the brain. Um, And as I said, there's certainly a a lot of various chemical agents that are produced in the gastrointestinal tract that send signals to the brain uh, as well as other parts of the body. So that's um, the least complex way to present uh, the enteric nervous system. Oh, I think that was very good. I like how you call it functional medicine. Really, when we address the gut, um, we do improve cognitive function. We do improve the function of the rest of the body. So why is it important to understand the inflammatory cascade that starts in the GI tract due to offending substances that trigger an enteric reaction? Wow. I mean, there's there's so much to that question. Um, Well, basically because... um, I certainly am of the, of the belief, as um, I know that, that you are, and, and apropos to our conversation in September on this show, that really healing the body um, from a, a, a number of, of ailments can really come first from healing the gastrointestinal tract. Um, it is our connection. Uh, our, our gut is really... Um, the whole GI system is the gateway between the external environment and the inside of our body. And digestion and absorption um, are under both um, neuronal or nervous system um, commands as well as hormonal commands and control. So when you can really keep the gut in optimum health and well-being, then that influences the entire rest of the, the body. Um, you know, there's, there's so much discussion with regard uh, to autism uh, and other neurodevelopmental um, issues that are being diagnosed these days. Um, the, the implication of this um, attack on, on self and whether or not uh, the whole inflammatory aspect of of autism isn't part of an autoimmune um, cascade. Um, There are um, millions of people in the United States diagnosed with autoimmune disease, and there are many more that are considered undiagnosed. And it can, you know, autoimmune disorders can, they can be very organ-specific, like the, you know, thyroid disease, a specific type of autoimmune thyroid disease, or to the pancreas with type 1 diabetes, or they can be very systemic, like, um, like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, and there are many young people being diagnosed with autoimmune diseases um, these days, more than before. A lot of these were always considered more age-related um, diseases and, and diagnoses that would manifest later in age, uh, later in life. Um, so... We're really looking now more closely to how certain foods and um, reactions to foods um, may trigger this autoimmune or inflammatory cascade, um, be it its origins in allergy or sensitivity, um, or even what's considered this a leaky gut, where the gastrointestinal tract is so out of um, function. Um, a term called dysbiosis, where there may be an overgrowth of, of 
bad bacteria compared to the good bacteria, and um, all the signaling within the gut is very disrupted, and it, it sends chemical messages throughout the body that can, in fact, turn on some of these autoimmune genes that we may all be carrying, but it, it seems to really be our food and the response of our gut um, that is really initiating and triggering the manifestation uh, of many of these genetically potential diseases. So um, I look to the gut as, and the integrity of the gut as the ability to really heal and keep well the body as a whole, be it organ, you know, systemically or, or some of these more organ-specific um, diseases. All right. So as the gut goes, so goes the body. And I like how you brought up uh, epigenetics and gene expression. And we know that foods, as you mentioned, can influence the good-bad bug ratio. So could you please tell us about the gut flora that colonizes the human body and the role of this microbiota? Well, um, again, lots, um, lots to discuss, like days and days of information to answer that, that kind of question appropriately, but really, uh, you know, to really do it justice. But I'll, I'll try to just go back to the beginning um, on that. I mean, one very important point to make is that I think for many of the children that are entering the world these days, um, their first exposure to um, colonization by um, good bacteria or beneficial bacteria to lay the foundation in their gastrointestinal tract for their immune system and and, uh, neurological system support um, is um, a bifidobacteria, which is found in the birth canal. So for moms who've needed antibiotics during pregnancy or at the time of delivery, or even for babies that are being born via C-section, they're not going to have the opportunity um, to be colonized um, with that good bacteria. And so their first exposure to bacteria is often what, what's found in, uh, in their birthing environment. And it's not going to really set up the healthiest flora. Um, And so we are finding more children being diagnosed with very significant reflux and and even constipation um, or bowel motility issues from very early in life, um, requiring all sorts of medications to manage those their symptoms, which are quite uncomfortable, but those medications will also then run more interference with the ability to set up a good flora. And this is um, speculated to be part of the causation in some of the diseases that we're seeing in early childhood, the epidemic levels of asthma and allergy and, and neurological issues, even anxiety disorders. Um, so, you know, the predominant beneficial bacteria um, is uh, is this bifidobacteria. That's what really begins first to colonize. And but if, after that, there are many, many others. Um, and as I said, I'm there's I can begin to go through some of the different um, species and the benefits of of the species. I mean, we 
always hear about yogurt and um, the benefits of yogurt providing these good bacteria or probiotics um, to help support intestinal motility and bowel function being promoted on ads on television all the time now and also for the immune system and Thanks to the yogurt commercials, everyone seems to be well aware now that 70% of our immune system is located in our gastrointestinal tract, um, but really our exposure to uh, antibiotics coming out of, um, out of delivery, uh, very often children seem to require antibiotics for one reason or another shortly after birth. Um, and then just the composition of some of the um, the, the foods um, that are introduced early on are not really the most um, beneficial or sustaining for a good um, probiotic profile. Um, you know, they they definitely modulate the immune system. Um, they affect motility. They're responsible for synthesizing. So many of our vitamins we we produce vitamin K and um, and uh, activate a number of B vitamins in our in our gut and just even in terms of facilitating the absorption of our minerals. Um, all of this is the responsibility of, of probiotics and a good flora um, in our gut. And, and probiotics are also what are needed to really help our bodies detoxify and break down. Um, carcinogens. I mean, we're always looking at, you know, colon cancer risks and what to do um, in terms of early screening and more fiber and foods with a high antioxidant um, capacity, which is all important as well. But it's a good probiotic or flora balance in that large intestine and colon. Also, that's responsible for reducing carcinogens. So, um, I mean, the, the topic of probiotics is, is huge and wide and, um, and really warrants more than just an occasional highly sweetened yogurt product when a person's on antibiotics. So. Absolutely, and we should make sure that we uh, talk about that a little bit more um, later. We're talking about some of the good bugs. We're going to talk, come back and talk about some of the bad bugs and biofilm. When we return from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Jerry Brewster, thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. 
Dr. Carroll, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Jerry Brewster, and we're talking about the fascinating universe of the gut microbiome. And, Jerry, before we continue, can you remind listeners what your website is? Yes, thank you. It is uh, www jerrybrewster.com, all one word, G-E-R-I-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R.com. Thank you. Very good. Okay, so before the break, we were uh, you were talking about probiotics, and now we're going to talk about the, the dark side of the force. Um, let's talk about biofilm and clostridial species and their byproducts and what happens to the host. So let's lead off with what biofilm is. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, um, uh, well what biofilm is is really um, the mucosal and... Um, Film that occurs along the lining of the gastrointestinal tract. It, what it's it's a it, it's what houses or tries to protect bacteria, be it good bacteria or bad bacteria, from um, from invaders. So that it can. This is how bacteria learns how to survive. And most people are familiar with um, biofilm just from their their dental or their mouth biofilm because you can brush your teeth and your teeth feel all squeaky clean, but then an hour or two later, if you run your tongue over, you're back to feeling just that little bit of a slickness, which is the bacteria in the mouth creating this um, polysaccharide-like matrix um, outside of itself to protect itself so that it can stay stay put. And so um, uh, there is a... All the, for all the flora and uh, bacteria that live inside our gastrointestinal tract, they provide a, a biofilm to shield themselves as well. And I know before the break when I was talking about, um, of course, the benefits of good bacteria in the gut in terms of setting up um, a good immune system and even a nice neurological um, uh, foundation for the body. I also just want to make mention that gut flora also can influence insulin resistance and metabolic disease and obesity and and cardiovascular uh, disease. So, um, you know, these um, perturbations in the the gut microbiota result in, in, um, you know, um, in disease throughout the body. Um, So it's really important to protect the good bacteria species in the gut, not get this overgrowth of pathogenic microbes uh, because they are responsible for producing more um, inflammatory compounds, which can then become systemic and really impact, as I said, the entire cardiovascular system and, uh, 
and ultimately insulin resistance. I mean, we have these epidemics of neurodevelopmental and autoimmune disease going on in children, and we also have um, an obesity epidemic going on with children that I think I touched on in the in the last show. It's not just about the um, calories in equals calories out um, uh, formula, but um, really the calories that are going in, what they're made up of, and um, how they're influencing gut microbiota and ultimately um, reactivity and, and inflammation because when the body is inflamed and perceives that it's in danger, it's more likely to, to try to hold on to weight. I mean, in a, in a child, a child's growing, and that's an anabolic um, state. You don't want it to then also be in this, it can't perceive to be in this catabolic or breakdown state simultaneously. So, um, you know, it's always struggling to maintain homeostasis, but we're seeing by the numbers of, of illness in children that we're kind of... Um, um, losing a lot of uh, losing a lot of the war here, um, Jerry. You made a really good point that I think maybe not a lot of people think about. And so, when you pick up the honey bun, it's not just you know all the ca- hundreds of calories in the honey bun. It's the type of carbs in the honey bun that Correct. feed the bad bugs. Like it, that would be a great candidate to feed Clostridia. Absolutely, because clostridia, um, the, there are a number of different, many numbers of different clostridia species of bacteria that are, um, are pathogenic, and um, they feed on those simple sugars. And then, of course, using your honey bun um, uh, example, even the, the fat that's found in a lot of these just sort of very... Um, commonly found sort of cheap junk food on the run type of thing, um, the the fats that are used in those products are also um, high omega-6 inflammatory um, polyunsaturated fats. So they're going to trigger more of an inflammatory reaction in the body, and then you're going to have these simple sh- uh, sugars that are feeding the clostridia. And... Um, it's it's really going to dampen down your immune system, and it's really going to set up um, inflammation in the body and put the body under additional stress and oxidative stress. And um, so we're really looking at, you know, to always clean up the diet for a multitude of reasons. Now, the a lot of these clostridia do shield themselves within this um, biofilm um, in order to protect themselves and, and keep up all this um, inflammation and, and disease process. Um, and that's where certain biofilm protocols have been proposed now um, in an effort to really um, get to the, the depths of these populations of bad bacteria as opposed to but- taking tons of good bacteria and hoping that they're going to colonize over the bad and crowd out the bad, that the use of certain um, enzymes that specifically help break down that polysaccharide matrix that's protecting these species. And and thanks to the great work of Dr. Derek McFade in the area of, um, of these of the area of biofilm specifically or the clostridia species of bacteria that 
the, or, the organic acids that those bacteria produce seem to be responsible for some of the behaviors that we see for children, uh, not only on the autism spectrum, but also with anxiety um, disorders and OCD, because these organic acids that are released by these um, bad bacteria do um, get into the bloodstream and cross the blood-brain barrier and influence brain function and behavior. So that's very, very significant. Um, Absolutely. I've, you know, I've, I've even felt myself, you know, at night, I've, my arms outstretched in front of me, going towards the refrigerator, the, the bad bug saying, lead me to your honey buns, lead me to your honey buns. Right. Uh, Dr. McFabe, I think, called it the self-centered bug in a, uh, in a lecture. So you're talking about starving out the bad bugs by not feeding them the, the carbs that they so, uh, they so yearn for and crowding them out, so starving them and also crowding them out with the good probiotics. Um, and, Jerry, too, with biofilm, it's my understanding that, uh, it, that, that what I've just mentioned were some natural ways to handle it, but if you're going to do some interventions for it um, under a doctor's supervision, you can't just bludgeon biofilm with a bazooka because... No, no, no. The, the organisms are inside the biofilm are are tens or more thousands of times more virulent than those same organisms outside of the biofilm. So you want to go very cautiously under appropriate supervision. Absolutely, um, and it's you know for many people it's taken a, a long time for this to develop, and for for children sometimes, like I said, right out of the the box there. Um, they never really had uh, the advantage, the, you know, the, a good uh, probiotic profile going on in their gut. So in order to um, shift that, you have to go very slowly, very gently. Um, I think I may made mention in the past as well, I'm not a big fan of any type of uh, die-off or Herxheimer reaction, especially, uh, especially. In children, I, I prefer to just go slowly and steadily and move forward, letting um, really the body be the guide. Um, but there's been a tremendous amount of research in this area, and um, as we mentioned, Dr. McFabe and also Dr. Stephen Olmsted um, has published quite a lot on gastrointestinal biofilm and more gentle um, protocols used to just shift that bio that um, microbiota profile and it can take weeks i mean it's it's really going to be sometimes a minimum of 12 weeks of using some type of healing or starving out diet which we certainly discussed a lot of those um, dietary approaches in the show in september um, but the goals of many of the therapeutic diets, like specific carbohydrate diet or body ecology diet and, and GAPS diet, are all um, designed to help reduce the proliferation of bad bacteria and yeast and fungus in, in the gut that can be running interference with a, a nice stable immune system and neurological and endocrine system. So, um, but it, it does involve very often using um, specific 
specific types of enzymes and antimicrobials. And for some of the physicians that are practicing um, biomedical therapies or functional medicine therapies, they're going to be using sometimes even a, a pharmaceutical antimicrobial, um, either an antifungal or even an antibiotic at times. Others will stay with just the natural um, antimicrobials, broad-spectrum antimicrobials and, uh, and antifungals, and rotate those because they're talking, all these bugs are smart bugs, so they're going to learn how to adapt um, to specific environment. And that's why uh, the biofilm protocols can really go on for weeks at a time, and you're going to be looking to really rotate the antimicrobials that are used in conjunction with these enzymes, um, and then and then repopulating the gut not only with good bacteria but also prebiotics. And prebiotics uh, refer to the, the types of compounds that good bacteria can really uh, feed on. Um, it's not just a matter of of dumping um, these good bacteria in uh, and expect them to just repopulate the gut. They need a good environment. Um, I kind of just use, look at biofilm, like you just picture the terrain of the, of the gut, almost like a hard ground. And the enzymes are going to go in and just sort of turn it over like you would with a, a pitchfork. And then the antimicrobials are going to go in and really like clear out all the, the clumps and the rocks and, and all. And then you need your prebiotics to serve as a fertilizer. And then your probiotics really become the seed. Um, that's really good, Jerry. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a graphic on this. Yeah. So, and we'll be back with that graphic right after we come back from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Jerry Brewster. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Jerry Brewster, and we've been talking about gut bugs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Jerry, uh, during the break, mentioned that she would like to tell listeners about her articles in Autism Science Digest, 
which can be found on the Autism One website and also in bookstores. And um, Jerry has an article in the August edition and another one coming up in the December edition, part two. And Jerry, did you want to talk about those? Well, I just think I, I was reminded of them actually in as I brought up a little bit about the special diets that can be used to help um, really facilitate an optimum um, gut balance and um, and really facilitate good you know good uh, microbiota or gut flora. Um, that that is really the kind of information that was detailed in in the first article, which really was on the gut brain connection. And then this part two that's coming out in December is uh, more spe- uh, more specifically a review of all these special diets and their origin. And um, it might serve as just a, a good summary of um, these topics that we've been discussing. Well, thank you, Jerry. Thank you for mentioning that. And so we might as well mention that Jerry is also authoring a chapter in the upcoming book, Bugs, Bowels, and Behavior, and that will be coming out uh, in 2012. So, Jerry, thank you so much for that. And we need to loop back and just uh, you wanted to tell listeners what the timing should be insofar as timing probiotics when you're also taking antibiotics. Oh, yes. We had, uh, I mentioned that before. A lot of um, a lot of folks do understand and appreciate the benefit of, of repopulating their gut with some good bacteria um, when taking antibiotics. But you do have to remember that those probiotics are bacteria, and the, the goal of the antibiotic is to kill bacteria, but you want it killing the bacteria, uh, the bad bacteria that, that it's going after, whether it's a, a strep or a staph or whatever is going on in the body that someone's on an antibiotic for. So you don't want to give that probiotic and antibiotic at the same time. I always recommend really about a, about a, ideally a four-hour separation or three hours, three to four hours, depending on whether somebody's on an antibiotic every six hours or every 12 hours, the dosing can be tricky. But you don't want to take them at the same time. You want to let that antibiotic go in and do what it needs to do, and then you want to follow up with your with your probiotics. So I just don't like seeing them in the gut at the exact same time. Um, what you can take with the antibiotic at the same time would be um, Saccharomycin or Saccharomyces boulardii. Um, it's available under a number of different brand names. Um, but Saccharomyces boulardii is actually a beneficial yeast. It helps prevent the overgrowth of candida. It helps also prevent the overgrowth of clostridia um, in the gut. So um, because clostridia difficile especially, or C. diff, is a um, um, an antibiotic-associated um, bacteria that results in antibiotic-associated diarrhea. And um, and when you really have such significant um, diarrhea with or post antibiotics, um, very often they'll have to send in another type of antibiotic that will specifically kill off the clostridia. At this point, it's pretty much decimation <laughs> of of uh, gut flora, and then you really need to work on um, on rebuilding. 
that gut microbiota. So the best thing to do is prevent that from happening by using an organism like Saccharomyces boulardii in conjunction with the antibiotic. And um, and then if that's all that someone can manage in their daily dosing when they're sick is I'd say take the Saccharomyces boulardii with the antibiotic for that five or seven or ten-day course of antibiotic. And then after you're done, really work on getting your probiotics in to re um, to re colonize the gut. Um, so using something like um, the Saccharomyces boulardii um, with an antibiotic. I, I would love to see even all all the elderly people put on antibiotics that wind up with, with terrible uh, diarrhea and C. diff overgrowth afterwards um, be given that preventively um, because it can otherwise those antibiotic therapies can start a real downward spiral for not only an elderly person but anyone who's very, you know, compromised. Um, and the thing is, is when you wipe out everything in the gut like that, you're really then eliminating a lot of the um, the enzyme, the brush border enzymes that populate the intestine that are responsible for the final, like, degradation of food and, and absorption of nutrients. So you're talking about then ultimately running interference with nutrient absorption that could last for weeks or months. And then, of course, if we're not getting our nutrients, we're further compromising our bodies and our immune systems. And um, and then you get sick again. And so this is where, you know, you wind up with this, you know, several rounds of antibiotics for one infection or another without really getting well. So really preserving the integrity of the gut, even with antibiotic therapy, is vital. Um, Where does alkalinity fit into all of this, the body being alkaline? Well, the body being alkaline, of of course, um, fits in because in a, uh, a, a, well, a more alkaline body is, uh, is has less, inflammation, right, because one of the things that tends to um, drive acidity are sugars because when we metabolize sugars, it creates byproducts in the body that are more acidic, and then the body has to pull calcium from the bone into the bloodstream to act as a buffer to bring us back to a more balanced pH. Um, and so and this is, of course, why, you know, a high-sugar diet and, and soda consumption is linked with osteoporosis, et cetera. But then all those sugars, as we said before, are feeding bad bugs, which are then responsible for stimulating inflammation, and it all leads to <laughs> the immune system being overly stressed and then succumbing to, to other illness, and then you wind up on antibiotics, which can kick up your yeast, and yeast crave sugar and thrive on sugar. All you ever have to have done is made, you know, bread at any point, and you have to add just that little sugar to that yeast to allow for that reaction to occur, um, for it to just to rise and plump up. So yeast does love sugar, and those fungal organisms in your body can certainly uh, call out for, um, 
for sugar. And you mentioned before, late at night, even if you're craving sugar, I, I also think about it just from a sleep deprivation standpoint. The body needs energy from somewhere, so if it's not rested, it's going to look for more glucose as its primary source of energy, and it's also going to make you crave sugar. And that's why our children are not rested enough either. They're seriously sleep-deprived, and some also have, you know, sleep um, disorders and issues. But you know, just given the daily stressors and the overscheduling, um, you know, for many necessary appointments. But um, kids are seriously sleep-deprived, and that can also uh, lead to increased desire for sugar, and that acidifies the body, and um, and the acidic body is just more, is, is prone to inflammation and and illness, um, alkalinity, or from your, or from your vegetables and low sugar diet, a, a more alkaline diet like the Mediterranean type of diet. I mean, all and that that's that has you know it's very much even like um, the specific carbohydrate and body ecology. The the whole idea is to really push the body more toward a, a more alkaline state so it can stay in better balance. Yeah, I saw a report that said obesity causes cancer, and I was thinking it's not the obesity itself that causes cancer, but it's probably all of the stuff that went went into making the person obese because their um, cells, their fat cells, or their cells that got fat, were sequestering um, acids uh, from the diet and also toxins. And toxins. And that that gets back to what I was saying, too, how even good bacteria in the gut will help detoxify uh, the body and even reduce um, carcinogens um, in the body. But so it all goes back to that flora. And even those, the, the prebiotics that I made mention of before, now, again, you know, um, when I use the term functional medicine, which, um, you know, Dr. Um, Jeff Bland, the father of functional medicine, and uh, um, using nu- nutrition and um, as, a, as a healing modality, um, it, it really looks to individualizing um, therapies for a person as opposed to just sort of, oh, you have a diagnosis and here's the standard medical protocol. So we have to look at the individuality um, of someone and and what is really going to be best for them. So when I'm talking about even some of the prebiotics, they are um, very distinct, soluble dietary fibers often that will help stimulate the growth of of good bacteria um, and, and even act as immune um, modulators um, and enhance like monocyte and macrophage and natural killer cell function. But not everyone does well on some of those fibers. Um, some people get very gassy and very bloated on those fibers. So again, how to just really um, look at a, a person and take a full history, a, a medical nutritional assessment, and go very slowly and gradually with a nice individualized protocol. You can't, you know, as you said, you can't throw the kitchen sink at them in terms of breaking down biofilm, but you also, um, not every biofilm protocol is going to be suitable for everyone. So it's really better to just stay healthy to begin with. Yes, uh, it and, is. An ounce of prevention uh, being the proverbial uh, more valuable than the pound of cure. So um, very good. 
And, Jerry, before we go to break, please remind listeners of your website. It's uh, jerrybrewster.com, G-E-R-I-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R.com. And I'm, okay. my offices are in New York, in the city, and in uh, Westchester County, just outside of Manhattan. Very good. And we will be right back with Jerry, and we will start to look at some of the diets here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyHealth. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Jerry Brewster, and we've covered a lot of material, but we still have a lot to cover, including talking about NAET, and we'll touch on that, but Jerry has kindly agreed to come back in December. So, Jerry, let's look at some of the healing diets. First, the most popular, which is the gluten-free, casein-free, better known as GFCF. Right. Well, GFCF um, certainly has a lot of... um, research behind it, and most recently there's been that much more um, in the area of gluten um, that has hit the literature. It seems to be something that's um, on many people's minds, and, and it's it's very... Gluten um, and gluten issues um, are... are very broad it's very broad it can it can be everything from an autoimmune disease such as celiac disease um, to having the genes for um, celiac but not necessarily yet having developed the antibodies um, to the to the gluten um, so and yet some people can still have symptoms and these symptoms can be in the gut but they can also be Body-wide, um, some people react to gluten in their in their joints, body aches and pains, or even in terms of um, brain function and um, and cognition and clarity. Um, it's been linked to learning disabilities. It's 
for a very long time in the literature, it was linked to schizophrenia. So, um, and then there, then there's allergy, actual allergy to wheat and to gluten, um, or sensitivity um, by virtue of um, a, a leaky or an unbalanced gut. Um, where some of these larger molecular proteins such as gluten just have a very hard time being broken down and can cause uh, bloat and and distress, um, even in the absence of any of the celiac uh, genes or uh, antibodies associated with full-fledged celiac disease. So then this is considered a, um, a sensitivity. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it just seems to need to be avoided for people to really feel um, at their best and feel optimum. Um, there's um, a big connection between celiac disease and, and, and type 1 diabetes. Um, I think I had made mention of that before. Um, a number of people even with multiple sclerosis and um, celiac disease. So celiac disease is really... Um, an autoimmune disease that um, uh, where the body creates antibodies to attack the gluten, which is uh, can be one of a hundred different proteins in, found in wheat and barley and spelt and other some other grains. Um, and the, the thing is, is that while celiac is now sort of taken the headlines. The gluten-free, casein-free diet for children with autism um, essentially came into vogue, for lack of a better choice of words, um, because of the opioid excess theory where there is an inability to, to properly break down gluten and casein, um, and they become these... Um, morphine-like compounds that cross the blood-brain barrier um, and, and stimulate the, the opioid centers of the, of the brain. Um, so kids can really feel addicted to them. And, um, and urinary um, uh, polypeptide tests can be done to see whether or not these um, casomorphins or gliodorphins um, exist. Um, but generally speaking, there are a lot of states that won't let you do these urinary polypeptide tests, New York being one of them. But I, I tell a family, if this is all that your child craves, then clearly they're getting some kind of real brain, you know, or body addictive stimulation um, going on, and that it would certainly, that alone would, would warrant an elimination diet, as challenging as that can be, uh, to implement. But um, that would certainly warrant it, and uh, and you can certainly see big shifts in child's behavior and attentiveness, um, ability to make eye contact, because when they're they're really not under the influence of it's like a drug like um, experience. So, but that's for all those reasons, gluten free and casein free are very often considered the first steps in embarking on a. Um, on a therapeutic diet, also because uh, of just dietary cleanup in general, a lot of the the gluten-y foods and the and the casein, which is a milk protein or dairy foods, are are often very sugary foods. So baked goods and 
breads and, um, you know, yogurts and ice creams and processed cheese products. So um, definitely a lot of additional sugar consumption can go in um, with the with those foods as well. Just even so the lack many of reasons the sugar to stay away from the honey buns, and nobody will get hurt. <laughs> right. Well, and uh, just to remind listeners, uh, it's a strict diet. It's it's uh, an all or no- nothing diet. So when you do it, you have to do it strictly. And um, it's one of those things that you can start while you're on a waiting list to see an experienced doctor who really knows the underlying physiological issues in autism. Um, and uh, just make sure to you know replenish any nutrients um, that your child might not be getting when you're. Tra- uh, using the gluten-free, casein-free diet, but this is one of the exactly. things Exactly, and, and not to switch over to a lot of processed gluten-free. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, gluten-free cookies and gluten-free muffins, <laughs> you know. Yes, yeah, soy can upset some children, and a lot of uh, corn is GMO. So. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, uh, Jerry, I know that you want, you've, you've kindly agreed to come back in December, and we're going to talk about more of the diets then, um, and you've uh, wanted to mention NAET briefly before we close, and then we'll pick up with it more in December. Well, um, NAET, it's an um, acronym for Nambudrapad's Allergy Elimination Techniques, and it is um, based on the Chinese medicine principle that we are electromagnetic beings, everything in our environment has its own electromagnetic field, and that when you are exposed to foods and other things in your environment that um, are not uh, compatible with you energetically, it can cause buildup of blockages in the meridians of the body, the 12 major energy channels um, in Chinese medicine, um, and that blockages in these meridians will lead to the outward manifestation of disease. So that is really what's rooted in acupuncture. When you're needling the meridians, you're allowing the release of that blocked energy from those meridians, and that energy can flow more freely through the body, and the body can stay in balance and and heal itself. So it's very much rooted in these Chinese medicine principles. And... um, Dr. Nambudrapad uh, developed this technique back in the early 80s. She herself was a lifelong um, food allergy and environmental and chemical allergy sufferer. And based on her um, knowledge and experience in, with conventional medicine and um, chiropractic medicine and as an acupuncturist, I mean, she's a very... Um, knowledgeable and well-credentialed um, healthcare practitioner, she developed this non-invasive desensitization using um, essentially homeopathic type of energy, um, uh, energy frequencies and stimulation of certain acupressure points on the body. And it really works. I know kids who it's helped. So thank you for- 
Absolutely, and I know there's a lot more to discuss on it, and it has been a topic uh, of my Autism One radio show for many years, so those are archived and um, on the Autism One website um, for any listener who'd like to hear more. Those are some of the earlier shows, and I had Dr. Nambudrapat on as a, a guest probably about four or more years ago, so it's all in the Autism One archives under my radio show. Wonderful, and if anyone uh, needs help finding that, um, just drop us an email. You can drop me an email over at tiaranga at autism1.org. And your website again, Jerry? Is www.jerrybrewster.com, G-E-R-I-B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R. And Terry, as always, um, a really great um, conversation and and information sharing, and I hope that um, the listeners have have really found a lot of good, useful information um, in today's show. Well, Jerry, and I want to thank you for giving our listeners all of this vital information. This is such an essential, foundational um, topic. So thank you so much, and I'm going to look forward to talking with you again in December. Wonderful. And, and to our listeners, um, next week, Chantal Cecile Cura is back, and her guest is Laurel Falvo of the Gray Center talking about social skills. And also next week, the National Autism Association's National Autism Conference is in beautiful, sunny, relaxing Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. I'll be there, so please visit www.nationalautismconference.org. Thank you to this radio program sponsor, OxyHealth, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.